to Jeremiah 12, verse 1. We're going to be sharing about running with horses today. Running with horses. Righteous are thou, Lord, when I complain to thee, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper, and why do all the treacherous thrive? Thou plantest them, and they take root. They grow, and they bring forth fruit. And thou art near their mouth, and far from their heart. In other words, they're giving the Lord lip service, but nothing in their heart. But thou, Lord, knowest me and seest me. You try my mind toward thee and pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of the field wither? For the wickedness of those that dwell in it, the beasts and the and the birds are swept away, and men say, I, I will not see my latter end. And the Lord answered, If you have raced with men on foot, and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe place you fall down, how will you do in the jungle of Jordan? Another version of the Bible says, The Lord replied to me, If racing with mere men has wearied you, how will you race against horses, against kings and courts, evil priests? And if you stumble and fall in open ground, what will you do in Jordan's jungles? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we just counted a privilege this morning to gather together in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And once again, that you prepare our hearts by the Spirit, and we yield ourselves unto you, spirit, soul, body, and mind, that your will is our will, your way is our way, your thought is our thought, and your word is our word. Now that's by the power of the Holy Spirit, because the flesh profits nothing. And we thank you for your presence today. Thank you that we have ears to hear and hearts to obey today. We thank you, Lord, that you fill our spirit with your word, renew our mind, cause us to remember, retain, and recall so we can teach others. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, revelation, counsel, power, might, and understanding, the spirit of praise and reverential law in your holy presence. Father, that your word, the divine seed, will fall upon the good ground of our heart, take root and bear fruit, and faith will rise in our heart. We'll see that which we haven't seen before as you touch us with the word in the spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. In studying many ministries, 
in the past, those that succeeded and those that Christ died toward the end. There were those that failed. There were many reasons for their failure. There was sin, sex, money, power, pride, and the list goes on. But when you look at it, there was a one basic common factor, one basic common factor, and that was there was exhaustion, fatigue, and weariness. Now, exhaustion, if we let ourselves get to that place, is like alcohol. You lose your resistance to temptation. You make bad decisions, and you're open to the attack of the enemy in your mind and body. So always guard yourself. We look into Daniel 7.25. We have to guard our heart. We have many scriptures that say that teach us because out of the heart come the issues of life and when we in Daniel uh, verse 25 I think it's seven, yeah, seven. verse 7 25 says this he shall speak great words against the most high that's Satan and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And that's one of the enemy's strategies. Even with ministers, laymen, and everyone, you have to watch out for that. He'll let you do good things if you wear yourself out. Because you know if you, you wear yourself out, he's got an entrance to distract you, disappoint you, and draw you aside. Now, he said he'll wear, wear out the saints and think to change times and laws. Well, here we are. You can't pick up the newspaper and follow any kind of news item that doesn't suggest and tell you that we're in a lawless time. They're changing times. Cultures are changing. Just a recent... Uh, G20, where the 20 top economical countries came together, they was 19 to 1 against the United States. And we stand alone against the world. And so these are changing times. The uh, French Prime Minister said there's never been a time in history when the world has been so fragmented. And so we are in a different time, a different culture, and different laws coming forth. But in the 27th chapter of Daniel, it says, The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. That's you. And whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's not something that dries up and blows away. And all dominions shall serve and obey him, Jesus. Now the point we have to get right now, we're in the middle of this. There's a certain things that uh, will attack you. We learn these things piece by piece. 
Now, some of these things you're, you're aware of, but when you hear it again, you plow up new ground, it's, it's good soil, and, and uh, you can take new seed. Sometimes we have to plow these old things up and see it a fresh way. Now, if, confu if confusion is present, we are uncertain that these ways are open to spiritually, to be spiritually and physically drained. God is not a God of confusion. So when you face a situation where there's confusion in your life, take note. You have to talk to yourself. Wait a minute. I'm confused. And confusion is not of God. Or when you're fixing to do something that you're not sure it's right or wrong. And then you start justifying it and rationalize it. Catch yourself. Because that's the first step that you're not doing what you should be doing. If you rationalize and justify what you're doing. Because... That's trying to override the spirit legally. Right. And so one rule that you can live by is when in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. Right. Now, it may not be wrong, but it may be the wrong timing. Right. Now, you have to ask yourself the question, who are you working for? You're not staying focused on who you're working for or who your boss is. And so many start off well with a pure motive and a pure heart. I've seen many ministries begin that way. I have known them personally. But they didn't have a good ending. They allowed the world to come in. They allowed greed to come in and many other things. I always pray, Lord, give me a good ending. Because I've seen so many that didn't have a good ending. They start well, have a pure motive, but they crash. I know one particular uh, evangelist at one time, which has been probably 20 years ago, 25. He had the most gifted word of knowledge and word of wisdom I'd ever seen in anybody. And today... He's selling used cars. He abused, misused that which God had given him. Now, we are set to do the right thing, but somewhere along the line, we drop the ball. Now, who calls you? You have to ask yourself this question. Who called me? Who are you serving? Whose opinion do you treasure more, God or man's? And in sometimes there's a, it's not something that seems important, but it's a little fox that's fixing to mess you up. It's a little fox messes up the vines. It can be a small thing. But you're caught in that, and you have to make the decision and let God rule. And you think, well, this is nothing. Yes, it is. Everything is important to God. And as we attend this meeting in August, 
We're pursuing perfection. And that includes the little things because it's the little things that can mess up the big things. Now, whose opinion do you value the most? Did you rather have God pleased or man pleased or self pleased? See, you already got self in there. Where are my pressures coming from? Yeah, pressures, everybody has pressures in their life. But where are they coming from? Am I in competition with myself? As I mentioned Wednesday night, Rick, my son, he's a golfer. Paula, too, sometime. <laughs> and they explained to me that really it's not a competition with other people. It's a competition with yourself. And so you're incomplete, and even when you're out there by yourself, Hebrews 12.1 gives us some insight. Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about, all covered about, watching us, a cloud of witnesses. So we're having heavenly witnesses, heavenly saints, angelic beings. We're kind of encompassed watching us. And I believe that uh, they allow them to see spiritual things. And they are like a heavenly cheerleading course that's pushing us on to a higher level, to the mark of the high calling of Christ. So let us lay aside every weight and sin that was set us. Now, not all weights are sins. They're just weights. Clutter can be a weight. Misuse of your time can be a weight. There's so many things that are not, not necessarily evil or sinful, but they're a weight. And Paul always used uh, uh, the illustration of an athlete. An athlete in those days, he just, he just had his, his feet, bare feet, and a loincloth. And nothing else to hinder him. Any kind of additional clothes in that time of that athletes in his period, they stripped himself of everything, just that one little loincloth to make him decent, and they ran the race. So we have to examine ourselves to say, what is it that's hindered me? What is it slowing me down? I want to move faster. I want to, to achieve more of what you want me to achieve, Lord. So you have to examine your life and your style and uh, where your time is going. Now, we're always blessed even if we don't feel it. We're blessed when you get up grouchy. And if you will get, begin to praise the Lord Thank him for another day that he's made, and it's a perfect day. And begin that praise that you won't feel it in the beginning. But the worthiness of Jesus to be praised is not contingent 
on circumstances or feelings. Is he just worthy to be praised? So in spite of your, what your body is telling you, your emotions, your feelings, he's still worthy to be praised. Now, I'm, when you're a Christian, you must behave in a manner that will reflect a Christian. Now, the world, unbelievers, they may not believe in Jesus. But if a Christian proclaims to be a Christian, they expect that Christian to act like it. And they, you're under a microscope all the time. And uh, you have to watch your mouth, most important, as we're out in the public. And uh, we might slip and say something that doesn't reflect us as a Christian. So know that you're always under observation. And I guarantee you, you go down to post office, this is an example, and something happens, you meet somebody and you lose your temper. I guarantee that'll be, the Satan will be right there and he'll move that along. And your testimony will be contaminated. So you rest in the Lord but you never rest because you're always under observation. Am I working to please God or am I working to please man? Now, am I satisfied with my relationship with the Lord? And everyone should say no because it's a progressive thing and we're always pursuing, pursuing the face of God, pursuing God himself. Now these are the questions that we need to answer ourselves as we go along in our Christian life. And we must pray for a pure motive and a pure heart and clean hands. And to that, in Micah it says, walk humbly before me, just be just, and walk in mercy. As you sow seeds of mercy, the day is gonna come that you're gonna need mercy. And that's putting up seeds in the bank of mercy to be shed on you. I've seen it all through my life that when you show mercy on a situation, I'm thinking about back when I lived in Alabama. I was traveling through Birmingham and uh, a lady shot across, she run the stop sign and she hit me sideways, just broadside me. And now she was the wife of the owner of the steel mill. And if I had been greedy, I could have cleaned her plow. But I went to the lawyer's office, the meeting, we've all met together. It was her fault. They had, even though I had a policeman as a witness. He said, how much do you want? I said, I want you to fix my car. 
Is that all? Yes, that's all. Just fix my car. I showed mercy, not greed. So the lawyer, they couldn't believe it. He said, this guy is here to take half of this company. And you say, you just, you just want your car fixed. Yeah, that's what my car fixed. He said, well, all right, if you'll sign this release, we'll fix your car. They couldn't hardly wait to get me out of the room and get to my signature. Amen. Well, sometime later, Joe was taking the kids to school. And she was in a hurry, you know, sometimes last minute things, you grab the, grab the lunch, give the kids, get, hurry, hurry, it's almost time to, for the bell to ring. And she turned around the corner, going for the face, and she hit the back of a school bus. That ain't good. But the seeds of mercy came back. And we didn't charge anything. See, you never lose. But you live like a Christian every day, not greedy, not what you can get out of somebody, but what's right. What's right? One minister of a college says, do right, though the stars may fall. Do right, though the stars may fall. You have to maintain priorities. Lord sets priorities, but <clears throat> Matthew 6.33 is probably the best priority in the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things else that you seek in this life that will not get between you and God he'll give you but he has to be first anytime we move away from God's plan and will in our ministry or our life we invite pressures, forces, condemnation discontentment, a number of other things. We are covered as long as we stand beside, uh, behind the shield of faith. So that's what it is, a shield. As we stand behind the shield of faith, then we're covered. The attack of the enemy, when we know we are not doing what we should be doing, he runs in because he is the accuser of the brethren day and night. He's waiting for you to slip up. He's waiting for you to open a door and just give an opportunity. There's certain legalities because God uh, has a leash on Satan. He can't just do anything he wants to or you'd be dead. But, it, but when we open a door and allow the enemy to come in, sometimes God will use that as a lesson. And those lessons that are most painful, we remember the longest. If you're called of God, number one thing that you should be on, your heart and mind is on God, 
What does God think? Well, does God want this? And is it a part of his plan or is it a part of my plan? That's one of the things, I think one of the difficult things in the Christian life is to separate those two things. Is it my plan or is it his plan? Because sometimes things look very good that it would be ideal to go ahead with that plan because there's nothing wrong with it. The roads are clear. All the pieces are coming together. I mean, it looks so good. But in the last analysis, you have to ask, is this what you want, Lord? Is this your will? It takes practice. I'm telling you how to have peace in your spirit and not burn out. John 6, 63. Consider this. It is the spirit that quickeneth, makes us alive. That's a, quickeneth means an old English term makes, to make alive. It is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. Everything we do that has value the Lord has touched it, or it be your home, your family, your ministry, your job. If God has touched it, it has value. And I don't have time to go into the teaching, but there's no difference between you being here at church, you consider spiritual, and you being on your job. It's spiritual. Do everything in word and deed for the Lord. Do everything for the glory of God. And that which is secular in the world, they call it secular, but we shouldn't. It's still for the glory of God. But speak that over it. So that your job has not just a job, but it is a service unto the Lord. Now, John fifteen fifteen is one we are familiar with. I am the vine. You're the branches. And he that abideth, that means become one in me. Abideth. Remember, we take Communion, one of the things that we bring out is, as you are, so am I in this world. As you are, so am I in this world. We are one. Who's we? God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you. We are one, and it also encompasses the church. We are one. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, shall bring forth much fruit. Look for the fruit in your life. It don't mean you have to be a preacher. Just be who you are in Christ Jesus. But he says, without me, you're spinning your tires. You can't do nothing. That's why you 
apply it to your job, apply it to your relationships, apply it to the church. Now, if we know that the flesh profits nothing, if we know outside of Christ we can do nothing, and if we know that we are powerless except the Holy Spirit intervene, we know that God will only bless what he touches. Why do we waste our time on anything else? If you really know those things, then why would you waste your time on anything that he doesn't touch? That's true value. Keep your eyes focused on God. Remember this, this lesson is about running with horses. He told Jeremiah, I said, when you can't keep up with men, how do you expect to run with horses? Well, I tell you, this world, the way it's going, the, how fragile it is, and we're 30 minutes away from being cast back into the 18th century with no electricity worldwide or countrywide, we're in a fragile place. And in God forbid that that should ever happen. But if it does happen, who are you going to turn to? And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you ain't got nothing. And I don't mean just, just a mental agreement that Jesus is. I mean a deep down hardcore relationship. If you need food, you can believe for food on the table. You can believe that somebody's going to drop a sack full of food at the door. God does that. He's done it for me and Joe and our hard times that we pass through. If you don't have money to get gas or gas, I don't have electricity to pump the gas. What you going to do? Well, if you ever believe for gas in your tank, God will fill it up. That's happened. I'm not telling you any fair stories. I'm telling you about the reality of Christ. Who are you going to turn to when there's nobody? So you redeem the time now. You say, well, that's, I'll, do, I'll figure that out when I get there. All right, let's, let me give you something more of a illustration. You're a little scrawny thing. Knock on the door. The big muscle man standing there. He says, he says I've come to take you, I'll take your wife, I'll take your house and cast you out of here. And you say, well, wait just a minute. So you run back to the back room where you got your barbells and you start working to build your muscles up. Too late. So a lot of people today say, I'll take care of that tomorrow. But tomorrow's going to be too late. Now is the time. If we please God, 
What is the opinion matter of man? I mean, Jesus himself. I mean, spirit without measure. Second person of the Godhead. God and man. Man and God. 100% both. He couldn't please everybody. How do we think we are going to please everybody? You can't. So get over it. You're righteous. And the unrighteous hates your guts. And they don't even know why. They don't even know why. But there's something in you that sets you apart. That when they come near you, they sense condemnation. They sense Jesus in your presence. And they won't like you. And they may make up all kind of things about you. I remember I was putting up some Christmas decorations one year way back there at the first of the ministry. Still this as green as gourd. Still learning. Still learning. And there was some, we'd been having Bible uh, meetings in a home, casting out demons, and all that. So the word got out. Oh, there's something strange going on in that house. They're messing with demons. And it went on like that. So I was out in the yard complaining to the Lord. And I said, Lord, look, you know me. And you know if I do something wrong, I'll just come to you and go to John 1, 9 and 10 and confess it to you. I don't, I don't try to hide it. I just come right to you. I missed it. I sinned. And, I'll, and then I come before you, get the blood up on it, and I walk away guilt-free. He said, but these people that are saying these things, they're lying. The Lord says, they're not lying. They're blessing you. And he gave me the scripture that anyone who speaks against you for his name's sake Great is your reward in heaven. He said, every time they speak against you, it's just stacking up your blessings up here. So then you see those individuals different. And you even go up and put your arm around them and says, Brother, you'll never know what a blessing you've been. I need some practice. <laughs> so often we have our own way and do our own thing. It seemed good. And others have done it, and they were blessed. 
why would God, why would it not work for me? Now this, this is where I've seen pastors shipwreck. There was a pastor over here. The Lord told him a certain thing. Now listen, the Lord told him a certain thing to do. And he did it. He prospered in it. He was able to get his church built and so forth. He gave his testimony of what the Lord had told him to do. And this pastor said, I'll do the same thing. But it didn't work. He shipwrecked. You see, the difference is the Lord told him. But it wasn't the same word for him. You're an individual. And the Lord has a, an individual plan for you. And you can't compare yourself to others. That's, you'll, if you do that, you'll always go up or down. Somebody's better, somebody's worse. But you possess right now, if you're a Christian, the highest office in the land. I gave this illustration last Wednesday. If that seems like a fairy tale right now. But if all the countries in the world agreed and they elected one person to be world leader, now that will happen with the Antichrist. He will be our world leader. But I'm saying if, if that would, was a situation and you say that is the highest position in this world. It's not. You hold a higher position than him. You are the son of God. You're the daughter of God. And you hold all the rights and privileges and powers and authorities and abilities and promises and provisions and protections and healings and deliverances and cleansings. And you have direct contact with the master of the universe. Now that don't even begin. I mean, to have that position would be a demotion. You'd have to step down. Because this world can't offer what you already have. Isaiah 40, verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. I mean, even with all their strength, it happens. Young ministers filled with strength, they rush off with their own plans and they grow weary and they fail. I've seen it. But they that wait, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with eagles, wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not be faint not faint what happened there 
they became dependent upon the Lord. That's brought out again in uh, Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. God gives you two through things. He gives you a lamp under your feet. That means light for one step. But when you make that step, you have light for another step. And when you take that step, you have light for another step. And you say, well, hold out the direction. And he says, I will be a light unto your path. A lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. So you have directions and you have one step. That's all you need. Why? Because you have ultimate wisdom, ultimate authority. Everything is ultimate, absolute with God. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-wisdom, all-knowledge, infinitude, everlasting. You just go on and on. That's the lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Now, why does he not show you further alone? Because you would not be dependent upon him. But as long as just one step at a time, you're always dependent that he will give you the next step. Okay, I got five minutes. All right. To wait on the Lord requires patience. That is a difficult thing for Christians. Why? Because of the culture. The culture that is developed around us is instantaneous. Instant coffee, instant tea, uh, fast foods, microwave, remote, smartphones. Do you realize that people who have a, a smartphone that's fully geared up on its apps, they have access to the knowledge that's available to man that's equal to the Library of Congress. It's amazing. You can go to Google and just ask them anything. I mean, I was amazed at that. My, my car, one day down in the cemetery, late at night, I went down by and see, put the rose in. And uh, I always try to take the rose every week for Joe. And, and then I got in my car and it wouldn't get out of gear. And the light, the light was, the sun was going down. I said, I really don't want to spend the night here, Lord. <laughs> and so I picked up the phone to call Shane and to come down there and get me to leave the, just leave the car. I said, in the name of Jesus, one more time. <laughs> I hit that switch and it cranked up and I, got, I was able to get home. But that's not the end of the story. What is the matter with that car? 
it wouldn't move out of my, out of my uh, uh, driveway then. So I went on Google and I gave them the, the model of the car, the year and so forth and the situation. What do I do? I think five or six things came up. And all I had to do was check the battery and get a new battery and put that in and it tied in with the, with the connection of the gearing that was in the transmission. Everything was fixed. That's what kind of what we have available to us today. So we, we take advantage of those things, but at the same time it works against us in having patience. There's no shortcut with the Lord. See, he won't do for you what he will not do for another. You say, oh, well, he's a preacher. He's a teacher. He's an apostle. No, he'll do just as much for you as he will for anybody else. He's no respecter of persons. But there's no shortcuts. It's his way or no way. That's just the way it is. It's God's way or you will suffer the consequences. Praise the Lord.